tuned in to Seasoned Crime, and I'm your host, Jasmine Nicole. This is a weekly true crime podcast that brings you all kinds of stories about minorities. I highlight those who had to have a law put in place to protect their rights. All different races, ages, religions, genders, sexualities. We're here to shine light on the stories and the cases that oftentimes get overlooked. As always, I hope that everyone had a great week. For today's story, I'm going to do things just a little bit different. For me, this week, um, as if I already don't have enough on my plate, I added even more to it. If you don't know, I am a single mother with a full-time 40-hour-a-week job. On top of that, I obviously have this podcast, and let me tell you, For this to be a normally 20 to 30 minute, one time a week podcast, it probably takes a good five to 10 hours a week out of my life. I'm a one woman show. And so finding the story, researching the story, putting it together, recording the story and editing the story, it's a lot. On top of that, I am now in the process of taking a 10 week digital marketing course. So I've been really wanting to tap into the tech world and digital marketing is something that I've really been looking into and I've really been interested in. But before, um, the course that I really wanted to do, it's about a $400 course. It's the 10 week course. It's $400. And so I decided, you know what, I'm gonna wait till things calm down. Maybe I get a little bit ahead on the podcast and then I'll do the course. But, you know, opportunities have been finding me lately and I'm extremely grateful, but of course, the opportunities came at probably one of the already busiest times of the year for me. So it just so happened, um, I think this was in March where I got an email and I was presented with the opportunity to get a scholarship. And instead of doing this course for normally the $400 fee, it was offered to me for free. So I couldn't pass it up. This course by itself takes another eight to 10 hours out of my week. So with this being the first week that um, the course really started, I had to figure out how to adjust and maneuver so I can get everything done. On top of all of that, I mentioned the course is a 10 week course. And within the 10 weeks, I will be moving about 45 minutes away from where I currently live. And so that comes with packing and getting all of that done with the whole moving process. So To say the least, your girl is busy. With all that being said, I needed to give myself a breather this week, but I still wanted to get a story out, so I thought I would try something new and see if you guys like it. So for today's episode, I have not one, not two, but three different stories. These are all short stories, and the common factor of them all is that they have some kind of social media or online aspect to them. I'm going to give you a trifecta of these mini stories to make sure that you get a full episode, but for me, the research took half of the time it normally would. It's a win-win on both sides. So, let's go ahead and get right on into it. Our first story is a very recent story that happened in February of this year. This story shows why meeting someone that you meet online can be one of the most dangerous things you ever do. 
I know people who have gotten with someone that they met online and it's turned out great, but there is always a chance that it won't turn out great. No matter how good they seem through the screen, there is no for sure way to know who that person really is or who they're portraying to be. No matter how great someone seems through the screen, there's no for sure way to know that the person that they're portraying online is going to be the same person that you meet. I'm not just talking about how they look, but their intentions as well. It all sounds good when they want to reel you in. And that's exactly how this story played out. So there are online meeting sites for literally everything. No matter what you're looking for, you can find it. You can find friends, you can find dating, relationships, support groups, somebody to just hook up with. I mean, for any like-minded people, if you go to the right place online, you can find someone who has the same interests that you have. And that's how our story gets started. A 24-year-old man found 22-year-old Valerie Rosario on a hookup app. I was unable to find the name of the man, so for the sake of the episode, I'm just going to refer to him as Nick. It's a little bit easier to keep up with than an unnamed Nick thought Valerie was beautiful based on the pictures that she posted online, and he was convinced that she was just his type. They were both on the same page about what was going on. On February 7th of this year, it was decided that Nick would go to Valerie's place for the sole intention of hooking up with each other. Valerie lived in the Marble Hill Avenue apartment complex in the Bronx, New York. Seeing that the plan was just to hook up, Nick got over there about 1 a.m. Again, typical hookup hours. He was ready. He went up to the door and walked in. But when he opened the door, it was nothing like he expected. As soon as Nick got through the door, three men barged in behind him and they immediately started to pistol whip him. Once they beat him down, they stripped him of all of his clothing. And then they carried him to the bathtub, poured flammable substance on him. And then while he was in the tub, drenched with this substance, he was burned with a flame all over his body. The torture didn't stop there, though. Nick was tormented with a knife everywhere. At some point, they ended up moving Nick to another location. And after that, the men then reached out for a ransom. They FaceTimed Nick's brothers while they were wearing face masks and they were stabbing Nick, demanding $100,000 in the process. And if his brother didn't come up with the cash, they would kill Nick. Nick was then reported missing and somehow the police were able to track down Javier Vargas, who was one of the accomplices outside of an address in Queens. Javier was sitting in a van with a knife in his hand and Nick was laying in the back of that van, unconscious and wrapped in a blanket. He had tape over his mouth. Nick was taken to a hospital where he was treated, and although he will have lifelong scars of this terrible act, he did survive. Was all this just a terrible act of being in the wrong place at the wrong time? Not exactly. Starting with Valerie, well, She was a sadist, along with the rest of the group. Sadists get pleasure from inflicting pain on people, hence the torture that they put Nick through. Nothing 
about this was by chance. Nick was handpicked by the group based on pictures on his Instagram profile. These pictures showed him with jewelry and flashing money, and that convinced the group that he had money. In March of this year, Valerie was on court for the charges. She was held without bail upon request of the assistant district attorney because she abducted a complete stranger and kept him hostage for 24 hours. And the judge agreed to this. Today, Valerie, along with the others, are in jail for kidnapping and attempted robbery. The next story I have for you is the story of Ibrahima Dioff. Everything started when 28-year-old Sharita Bullock and 21-year-old Aqua Bullock, two sisters, put an ad on Craigslist to sell six Motorola smartphones for $1,100. Ibrahima saw the ad and met up with Aqua at a Bojangles in Raleigh, North Carolina to buy just one of the phones for $260. Soon after the initial meetup, Ibrahima reached out again, asking if they still had the rest of the phones, and if so, he wanted to buy all of them. He said he had some friends who liked the phones and they were interested, so he was just going to go ahead and get them all and then distribute them to the friends. Aqua told him that he was in luck, because she still had all of the remaining cell phones. They agreed to meet up on June 9, 2010, so Ibrahima could get the remaining phones. On the day of the meetup, Aqua called from a private number. Ibrahima questioned why was she not on her phone, and she said it was because her phone was dead. So she had called him from the home phone, but for safety reasons, she blocked the number. It sounded good enough at the time, so Ibrahima followed the directions that he was given by Aqua, and he went to the meetup spot. When Ibrahima got there, Aqua wasn't even there. Another woman was there. Now, I will say this part of the story is a bit confusing. Some of the sources says it was Sharita who met him at the store, and others say it was a third woman named Sherry Brooks. It could have been either, or maybe it was both. I'm not positive on that part, but I can say that both of the women were involved with this story in some way. The woman he met said that she didn't have the phones on hand and that he would need to follow her to their house to get the phones. So he followed them to the house, but he was really uncomfortable with this whole thing. So as they pulled up to the house, he just kept going and drove off. Sharita followed him out when he drove off and somehow she was able to convince him to come back to the house. So Sharita drove behind him following back to the house, but this time when he pulled into the driveway, Sharita kept driving away from the home. Before Ibrahima could even put the car in park, Another random vehicle drove up in the driveway and parked behind him, blocking him in. In this vehicle were four to five random guys who were unknown to Ibrahima. This was an immediate red flag and he knew he had to get out of there. And so even though he was blocked in, he was able to maneuver the vehicle out of the driveway, almost hitting a tree and a ditch on his way out. Then as he sped away, he heard the sound of gunshots. 
Thankfully, Ibrahima wasn't hit by any of these shots, but at least one of them hit his vehicle. After getting away, Ibrahima was interviewed about everything that had happened, and he said he fully believes that they had planned to kill him. Quote, what I believe is they were going to kill me. That way, they can take the information back from me. End quote. The sisters were caught and they were charged with attempted robbery with a dangerous weapon, as well as conspiracy to rob with a dangerous weapon. At first, just the sisters were arrested, but about two months later, Sherry Brooks was caught and charged with the same charges. Wake County Sheriff Donnie Harrison issued out a warning about purchasing from online buyers, saying, quote, make sure you don't go somewhere that is isolated or go to a person's house. I don't suggest that. I mean, I know people do it all the time, but you just don't know what you're getting into. End quote. The final story I have for you today is the story of James Sanders. 43-year-old James Sanders, his wife Charlene Sanders, and their two boys lived in Edgewood, Washington. James was looking to sell some jewelry for some extra cash, and one of the items he was looking to get rid of was a diamond ring. James put an ad up on Craigslist, along with photos of the ring, looking for a buyer. Someone was interested, and they called James, responding to the ad, saying that the ring looked like it would make a great Mother's Day gift for his mother-in-law. I will admit that James was a bit naive at this point, but he gave the man who was on the other line of the phone his home address, and they set up a meeting so the man could come over and inspect the ring for quality and clarity. On April 28, 2010, just as expected, the doorbell to the Sanders home rung. James opened the door expecting the man that he had spoken with on the phone, but what he got were three men and a woman standing in front of his door. Immediately, one of the men pulled out a gun and they all forced their way inside the home. Each member of the Sanders family was home at the time, so once inside, the suspects tied everyone up, including their two children. The family was viciously beaten and pistol whipped by some of the thieves, while others were going around the home grabbing whatever valuables they could find, including that diamond ring. Charlene spoke on the incident later on, saying, quote, They ripped my wedding ring off of my finger. I kept saying, Take anything you want. Just take it all. I won't even say a thing. End quote. At one point, they started to beat on the 14-year-old son. James managed to break free of his binds, and he went to go help his son. But when James stood up, a gunshot was fired, and then James fell to the ground. James had been fatally shot. The group then ran out of the home, and they were able to drive off and get away. Of course, the cops dug into this, and they were able to do some email tracing to some of the contacts that were made with James, and they came up with four suspects. 23-year-old Clayton Bernard, 20-year-old Joshua Reese, 22-year-old Kiyoshi Higashi, and 22-year-old Amanda Knight. 
prior to the cops being able to piece everything together, everyone, except for Clayman, was arrested because they were driving around in a car that had no front license plate, and when police searched the vehicle, a gun was found in the vehicle. Amanda was able to post bail, so by the time the cops pieced together that these were the same people who did the murder, she was already gone. Also on the loose was still Clayman. So now, Clayman was still on the loose, and Amanda had bailed herself out. The diamond ring that was originally put up for sale by James would later be discovered at a pawn shop in San Francisco. America's Most Wanted did a segment on the two that were still at large. After that, both surrendered themselves to the police. All four of the suspects were charged with one count of first-degree murder, two counts of robbery, two counts of assault, and one count of burglary. In the court, the entire group had a face full of tears, and they all pled not guilty. Thankfully, the judge and the jury didn't fall for any of it. And in 2011, all four were convicted on multiple counts, including first-degree murder, and their sentences ranged between 7 and 124 years in prison. It's believed that this wasn't their only time robbing someone after answering an ad that was on Craigslist. During the investigation, Amanda was found on a video pawning items that were stolen during a robbery that resulted from a Craigslist ad that happened in Lake Stevens, Washington. James's funeral was attended by many. One of the attendees was the father of Kiyoshi Higashi, who was one of the guys involved in this murder. The father expressed his regret about the entire situation to the family, and he also stated that it's very likely his son will be in prison for the rest of his life because of this. Charlene, James's wife, gave media interviews after the murder, and she said she forgave the suspects. She also spoke on her husband, saying, quote, My husband was a hero. He always said he would protect his family. He told the boys that he'll always protect his family, and he died protecting his family. After the killings, Craigslist posted additional warnings on their website, advising of the dangers that could be had after contacting from online encounters. And there you have it. This mini episode was three different stories, all stemming from online interactions. This world is a crazy place, and the people in this world are even crazier. If it's one thing I've learned, it's that you can never be too careful, and you can never give anyone the benefit of the doubt, especially someone you don't know. Anyone can look and sound good behind a computer screen. And if you're doing meetups with people that you meet on a social media site, make sure that it's always in a public place, and if you can, take a friend or someone who you trust with you. Even if they're sitting at another table, just as a precaution. I hope that you all enjoyed this. Let me know what you think on the Seasoned Crime Instagram page, or you can email seasonedcrime at gmail.com. Please don't forget to rate the show and leave a comment on Apple Podcast. We've had a lot of new consistent listeners come in the past month or so, and I truly appreciate each and every one of you, but I also want to help the show get out to as many people as possible. 
I hope that you all have a good week going forward. And next week, I will be back with yet another story about a minority. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Season Crime. Today's episode was researched, edited, and recorded by your host, Jasmine Nicole.